It's so good to be with you all. My name is Derek. Uh, I'm one of the teaching pastors. Uh, I bounce back and forth between Cyprus, our other location, and Spring Branch. So if you're a guest, let me just extend a warm welcome from our staff um, and our church. Uh, we love that you came out today. Uh, more than anything else, though, we, we want you to encounter God. So if you come and say, man, it was great, I loved it, um, and you didn't... Um, see that Jesus was lifted up here, then we missed out because we're a simple church. We're a church that lifts up the name of Jesus above every other thing. And so I hope that you see that and experience that today. Well, as Tom mentioned, today is the first of four Sundays where we are celebrating Advent. Let me see, how many of you have ever been to a church where they did an Advent service? Go ahead and raise your hand up. Okay, more than I thought. That's great. So Advent, the, the word literally means arrival. And so today, in the next three weeks, we are coming around the arrival of the king, King Jesus, born of a virgin Mary, and we are coming around that. And today, specifically, we're going to look at expectation, expectation. So around the world, churches are gathering, sermons are being preached, songs are being sung, and churches are gathering around this expectation. And I think most of us have some kind of expectations Uh, Some of you came today with some expectations that we may or may not hit. Uh, I'm sorry in advance. Uh, All of us probably have some kind of expectations for uh, how our Christmas is going to go. And whether you like it or not, if you have kids, they have great expectations uh, for uh, what is going to be under the Christmas tree. And if your kids are like my kids, they have made their expectations known uh, over and over and over again. And I've circled over and over again that little catalog just so I know exactly what to get. But we all have expectations, and so I don't think it's new to us. One of the things that I love about being a pastor uh, over the last nine months or so is that I get to do marriages. I get to officiate, and so I do the pre-marriage coaching, and so one of the first things that we do in pre-marriage coaching is we say, hey, what are your expectations coming into marriage? Uh, Now, if you've been married for very long, you realize that your expectations before you got married may be a little different now that you've actually lived with that person and realized how jacked up they really are. But as a coach, I'm supposed to get them to realize, hey, you're both jacked up and you're coming together to become more like Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a hard thing. You need to know it when you come in. But one of the things that as we get through the uh, pre-marriage coaching, we get to the wedding day. And uh, weddings are so fun, especially if you're not the one planning and doing all the things. You just show up and talk a little bit. Um, Here's a picture uh, of one of the weddings I did in Spring Branch or uh, Cyprus, this is Wyatt, and he was marrying Annie. But just look at the expectation on his face. I just wanted you to see this. Man, this guy is watching his bride come down the aisle. And in that is so much excitement, anticipation, expectation based on his, his relationship with her up until this point, and then expecting things in the future of what is to come. And so in this moment, I mean, this guy was ugly crying. It was so beautiful. <laughs> I love this guy and his wife, Annie, and, you know, I get to be there and I get to see that. And so today I want us to really circle around this idea of expectation and what that means to us today. So if you have your Bible, turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 1. And today I thought we would uh, just look at two passages of Scripture in the same chapter of Luke One, we're going to look at Zechariah and his expectations of his son, and then also look at Mary and what expectations she had for her son. And not only expectation today do I want to look at, which we're definitely going to look at expectation and talk about that, but I also want to look at what threatens expectation. Because if you're like me, maybe today you come in with really, really low expectations of God. 
And I want to talk about that and why that might be and, and how we can address that. So expectations and things that threaten or hinder those expectations is where we're going today. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 1 verse 5. Uh, just a little background. Uh, Luke is the third gospel uh, talking about Jesus' life. It's the third book in the New Testament. Uh, up until this point, uh, Malachi, which was the last uh, prophet of the Old Testament, that happened about 400 years before where we're picking up. So about 400 years, we have no written record of God speaking through a prophet. Now, a lot happened in those 400 years. There was the Persian army, Alexander the Great came in. A lot of things happened. The temple was desecrated. And so all these things are happening for 400 years from Malachi to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when Jesus came upon this earth. And so that's the background, and we're going to look at here, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. And so we pick up here. We have Zechariah, who is a priest, and we have his wife, Elizabeth, and they don't have a kid, and they're advanced in years. And so Zechariah, one day, he gets picked um, amongst the priests to go in and to um, give uh, uh, some, an offering of incense. Eleven. So this is where he's in the temple. He walks in, expecting to do his normal job. And there appeared to him an, the, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not fear. Fear, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready the way of the Lord to the people he prepared for. So we see here in, in this text, Zechariah, he goes into the temple thinking he's gonna do his normal job, but then an angel of the Lord appears to him and gives him a word from God, okay? And so I'm just gonna pull out three expectations based on that encounter that uh, Zechariah would have had number one expectation is he was going to have a baby boy. Amen to that. So Zechariah, who was old, advanced in years, he was going to have a son. Expectation number one. Expectation number two is that son would fulfill the prophet Malachi's prophecy. Now, if you have a Bible, real quick, just take a second, flip over to Malachi. It's the last book. It's probably just like that far over if you want to go to it. This is what it says at the end of the book of Malachi. The prophet. So this is the last prophet for 400 years that we have um, documented. He said, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the lands with decrees of utter destruction. Okay, that was Malachi's last one. 400 years prophesied, and then this angel shows up and tells Zechariah, hey, you're going to have a son, and not only are you going to have a son, but he is going to turn the fathers to their children. 
He's gonna turn the disobedient back to the wisdom of the just. And so your son, you're gonna have a son. The second expectation is that your son is gonna fulfill the prophecy of Malachi. And then the third thing I think expectation would have come out of this encounter was that the son would be a forerunner of the Lord. You see this here in the last part of 17. He says, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so how I take that, because we're still in the midst of football season, is that John the Baptist was going to be the fullback for Jesus. He was coming to prepare the way. It was 22 ISO coming head on with the linebacker. He was going to blow up that linebacker and prepare the way for Jesus. He was going to be the one in the desert crying out, prepare, prepare, repent. The kingdom of God is coming. That's what John was going to do. And because of the word that the angel gave to him, there was the expectation of a son. That son would fulfill the prophecy of Malachi. And that son would also prepare the people for the Messiah that was to come. So we have expectation. But in the midst of that expectation, I think there were things that were threatening the faith, expectation, hope, of Zechariah, and let me give you three, and we're gonna see this pattern consistently. Number one, I think the circumstance that Zechariah was in could have undermined his expectation for the fulfillment of the prophecy that was given by the angel. Now, now the circumstance, just consider this, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were older. I'm not gonna say they're old, because they were like 60, 70, 80 years old, most people think. And so he's like, listen, my circumstances, I'm, I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, I, how am I supposed to have a kid? My circumstance points to there's no way that this is going to happen. And so that could easily undermine the expectation of Zechariah because of his circumstance. The second thing I think potentially could have undermined his expectation was fear. And we see this in Luke 1, 12 and 13, that Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not fear. And when I think of fear, we see he was fearful. Um, when I think of fear, I think of what if. That phrase, what if. You see, I, I think what ifs undermine a lot of our expectations. That we have a word from God or God has a promise in scripture, but then I go and start getting fearful because I think, what if? Well, what if this, ha- what, what if this happens? And then my expectations of the Lord are, are, are low. And so, Zechariah, man, what if I'm too old? What if I get my hopes up again, but my wife doesn't have a baby? What if? There's great fear that could have been undermining the expectation that God gave to him through this angel. And let me tell you, when God gives you a word, Satan will quickly attack you with fear. Fear, because, because I think this is the case. Because when I get a word from God, when God tells me to go do something, what he is requiring from me is faith and dependence upon him. And when God says, go do something, and I recognize it's gonna take a lot of faith and dependence upon God, what that means is Derek's no longer in the driver's seat. And to many of us, that's a really scary place to be in. And so listen, if God has told you something, you should have a great expectation, but be careful because fear can knock that expectation down. Down, down. And I think this could have threatened the expectation of what God had told him through the angel. And then the last thing I see that potentially could have undermined the expectation of Zechariah was doubt. Right? And we see this in verse 18. He says, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am old, an old man. And my wife is advanced in it. I love how he didn't call his wife old. He said she's advanced in years. I think that's a brilliant move from a husband. 
honoring your wife. It's a great thing to do. Uh, and then it goes on and says, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Now just man, think about that. This angel is standing in the presence of God in the temple. And he says, I'm in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe in my words. And so we see here expectation, a word given by God. He begins to look at his circumstances and say, man, I am way too old to have a kid. And my wife isn't old, but she's advanced in years and she's probably past childbirth in years. And so how in the world can I? And so what happens is, is he begins to look at his circumstance and he allows his circumstance to dictate his faith. And in that, he begins to lower his expectations. He begins to doubt. And just like fear, when we begin to say, how, how is that possible? We begin to, to minimize what God can do. Because in the natural, there, there's no way that could happen. But how many of you know with God, he doesn't just work in the natural. He works in the supernatural. And so with God, all things are possible. Now, we say that all the time, but do you believe it? Because Zechariah, he was like, man, God, like you're telling me this, but man, there's doubt. And, and so I think there was a potential for his expectation that the word of God from the angel started to get knocked down from circumstances, fear, what if, and how in the world could this be possible, doubt. And I think we see this, that he was given a great word from God, but it was challenged and it was come against by these three things. And so now I want to look at Mary as we're talking about the coming of Jesus. It's probably a good thing to talk about Mary. And so look at verse 26 in the same chapter of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no End. And so we pick up and we're going to look at Mary. Now, Mary had another encounter with an angel. And out of that encounter, I think she had some great expectations based on her encounter with God. The revelation that God gave her through this angel triggered an expectation. There's three that I want to point out again. So just like Zechariah expected a son, Mary was told, hey, you're going to have a son. And not only a son, it's going to be a miraculous son born of you, a virgin, so expectation number one for Mary is I am going to have a son, but it's not just going to be a son. It's going to be a miraculous son because I'm not married and I haven't spent any time with my husband in that way. And so God is going to do something in me and through me and I'm going to have a son. He's going to be a miracle. And I think the second expectation that Mary would have had was that her son was going to be the son of God. We see it throughout here. The son of the most high that he is going to reign, that he is going to have the king, he's going to be the king and the throne of David. So we see here consistently that Mary's expectation would have been she was going to have a son, but that son was going to be a son of God. God himself, through her, expectation number three is that her son would then be a reigning king who fulfills 
the prophecies of the Old Testament. That, that her son would be the one that sits on the throne of David forever. That through that he would have power, he would have authority over all things for all time. That's the expectations that Mary would have had in this moment based on her encounter with this angel. And so we say, man, these expectations are great. But in the midst of these expectations, I think these three things were challenging or threatening her faith and her expectation. Number one, once again, circumstance. Mary was not married. Mary had not been intimate with her fiance. And so she's looking at the situation. And in addition to that, it says a little bit later in verse one that Mary was of humble estate. That means she felt like she was down here. How in the world could God use me to fulfill something so great? I think many of us in the room, we would say, yeah, that's how I feel. My circumstances are dictating what I believe God can do. And Mary had these same thoughts go through her head. How in the world could this be? Because of my circumstances, how could God do this in my life? And then the second thing we see again is that there was fear. The angel told her, do not fear. She got a word from God. And once again, fear strikes. What if? What if Joseph finds out and he leaves me? Have you ever thought of this? Mary is a real person. Not some magical cartoon character that is played by some actor. No, Mary was a real person, real skin, had real thoughts like you and me. If she was told that she was going to have a baby, I have to think the what if started going through her mind and fear started getting her wrapped up and said, should my expectation be so low? Because what if Joseph leaves me? What if my family finds out and they disown me? What if? What if? And then the third thing is, is down that it threatened her expectation. We see this in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how? How will this be since I'm a virgin? You see, God gave her a word. Her expectations were then set, but doubt crept in. She said, how can this be? Because her mind and eyes were on her circumstance. And she says, how in the world could this be? So she had great expectation, but those expectations were threatened just like Zechariah by the, her circumstance, by her fear, and by her doubt. And so today I want to ask you, do you approach God with expectation? Do you approach God with expectation? And then the follow-up question, whether you do or you don't, what is hindering or what is threatening your expectation of God. Because if you're like me, circumstance, fear, and doubt, take a word from God, whether that's in the scriptures, a promise in the scripture, or maybe God through his Holy Spirit who is still active among us, gives us a word and asks us to be obedient. And in that moment, I can look at my circumstances and say, what in the world? How can God ask me to do that? Or my fear says, what if this happens? What is this person gonna think of me? What if I step out on this limb and this limb cracks and I fall? How in the world could God use me? I think we all have these situations. We all struggle with that. When God speaks, we begin to lower our expectations. You see, the expectation that we have, it doesn't downplay my present reality, but instead it emphasizes the present reality of God in the midst of my reality. 
So, so I'm not wearing rose-colored glasses and saying everything's great. No, no, Zechariah, he recognized his circumstance, but he recognized that God was in the midst of his circumstance. Mary, Mary recognized her circumstance and her fear and her doubt, but in those moments, what did Mary do? She said, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. I recognize you are in the midst. You are with me. And here's a good indication if you have expectation this morning, is are you preparing for anything? Because this is what I know about expectation. It is always followed by preparation. Always followed by preparation. See, hope is like, I hope I win something. I hope I get a promotion. But expectation is, I expect to get this, and so I'm going to begin to prepare to get there. That's what farmers do, right? Farmers, they go and they till up their land, and they plant seed in expectation of the harvest. They go ahead and prepare so they can reap the harvest. Expectation is always followed by preparation. So if you're going to have somebody at your house, expectation is that you clean up your house, at least most of us. (laughs) Expectation is that you're going to cook something or have a drink for somebody. Expectation is that you're going to try to be home unless it's that family member you don't want to (laughs) see. Expectation prepares. Expectation has to lead to preparation. If not, then I'm just hoping and it's just out there. Expectation leads to preparation. And listen, I, I've experienced this in my own life time and time again, whether that's working out and expecting to make the football team. I didn't just sit on my couch and eat potato chips. I got out every day and I prepared as if I was gonna make the football team. I worked out, I did all the things I needed to do. I ate the right food. I prepared because I had expectation of the day that I would make it through the open tryout. I expected, so I prepared. When uh, I was working in the corporate world, uh, here in Houston, we moved down from Ohio a few years ago. Um, uh, my faith got stirred up uh, one season. And, uh, and I was really struggling because I had realized that I had not been asking God for opportunities for his kingdom to come in my workplace. And so one morning, I'm walking out to the plant. as a manufacturing plant, and the offices are back, and I'm walking out there. And I just said, God, I'm asking you to open up a door for me to share the kingdom today. I hadn't prayed that in a long time but I was stirred up with faith. God had been planting a seed in my life, and so I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, and so I began to pray. And later that day, uh, I heard a conversation across the hall uh, of these some guys, and they were talking about uh, this new show on TV called The Bible, a great series, I guess, um, and they're talking about this. And then later on, I, I interacted with one of the guys, and uh, I said, hey, would you want to grab lunch sometime? And he's like, yeah, what are you doing today? I said, hey, let's, let's go to lunch. Let's, let's do it. This is one of the guys talking about this. Now, this guy was from uh, uh, India. Uh, I knew he was uh, not a believer. Um, he's actually an atheist. And so we go out to lunch, and we're sitting down, and, and he brings up the Bible series. And I'm like, wow, this is easy. And he's like, what do, you, what do you think about it? And so I said, man, I don't know. I actually haven't seen it. Man, I'm a bad Christian. I'm not watching the Bible on TV. But, uh, but we talked a little bit about it. He had some questions. And, and then I said, well, what do you believe? And he's like, well, my, my parents were raised, uh, raised me Hindus. And so they have like all kinds of gods. But, but me, I've seen that. And like, I'm, I'm, I don't believe in God. But I'm really interested in things of God and, and, and religion. And he said, so, so, so why don't you tell me what you believe? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and so I had the opportunity to not bash him over the head of my Bible, but to give him my experience with Jesus and to say, hey, this is my experience 
ask some questions, poke some holes in it. I would love to have this thought. Now, I wish he, I could say that he came into the kingdom that day. He, he didn't. And honestly, I don't work there, so I haven't really talked to him. I pray that the seed that was planted would bear great fruit in his life. But, but you see, the difference is that day I had expectation for what God could do. That expectation drove me to prepare. See, as a believer, the number one way you pray or you uh, prepare for God to move in your life is you pray. Prayer is preparation for a believer. And so in that, I began to pray and ask God, will you move? And in that, I began to prepare because then I was on the lookout. God, what are you doing around me? Give me ears to hear and eyes to see, Holy Spirit, who you're working on. See, I, I was preparing. Prayer. Being aware of what God is doing around me. See, I had an expectation that day. I didn't have expectation the day before. That expectation led me not to pray. The lack of expectation had me not pray. But as a believer, the number one way you will prepare for an encounter with God or for God to use you is through prayer. And I would go as far as to say, I'm not sure if God is going to move in your life apart from prayer. That's how much I believe it. That's how much Jesus teaches on it. And that's what we see in my life and in the scriptures. Because what happens, though, if we don't have expectation, I will begin to slowly begin to pray safer and safer prayers until my prayers require no faith at all. But that's a problem because faith and expectation are tied together. If I lack expectation, I leave little room for faith, which leaves little room for God to move in my life. And as that happens, what we'll see is my prayers will show that I have put God into a convenient, comfortable, and culturally accepted box that I feel good about. And then I'll say, why am I not experiencing God like that person? Why have I not heard God like that person? The answer today is not because God loves them more. No. It's not because they're special. They have a special connection with the God. No, that's, that's a lie from Satan. All of us, because of Christ's death on the cross, can come to the Father one-on-one. We can come into his throne with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. Every single believer. So it's not because they're special. I think James would say, you have not because you haven't asked. You see, if I don't have expectation, then I'm likely not going to ask. If I don't ask, how dare I get frustrated when I don't receive? And so my prayer for you this week and the weeks leading up to Christmas is that your expectations for God would increase. That you would begin to pray and experience God more than you ever have before in your life. And I want to encourage you with this one last passage, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. It's going to be on the screen here. Let this stir your faith, and I don't care how you came in here today, let this truth wash over you. Now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. That's the Holy Spirit working us. He says, according to that, he can do more, far more abundant than we could ever ask or think. Listen, we serve a God who invites expectation. 
We serve a God who is not going to be intimidated by your expectations of him. Amen? He says, bring it. Anything you can think of, come on, come on. I've got more power. Anything you can imagine, listen, I spoke the world into existence. I blow your imagination away every day, 10 out of 10. Come and bring it. That should get us excited as believers. If your heart's not beating right now, man, maybe you just need to ask God, God, what's going on? Open this up to me. Because he says, listen, ask, and I will deliver far more abundantly than you can ever think or imagine. God is not intimidated by our imagination or by our expectations. He actually invites him. And so this is my challenge for you today. If you've taken notes or if you like to have something to go do, I usually don't give go do's. I usually just say, go get with God. And this is kind of what I'm doing here. I want to challenge you this week to give thanks. Uh, that's a novel idea as we're coming off of Thanksgiving. Some of you may be already doing that. Maybe you're posting that on Facebook as some people do. That's cool if you want to do that. But, but I want you to be really purposed this week in giving thanks to God. Write it down. Meditate on it. And as we give thanks to God, I want you to thank him for who he is, what he has done in your life, how he created you, how he has revealed himself to you. These are things to give thanks for. And these things, I believe, will also lead us to increased expectation. Because when we give thanks, we begin to remember what God has done in the past. And when we think about what God has done in the past, it stirs our faith for today. When I begin to look at the scriptures and say, man, Jesus is fulfilled and has fulfilled much of the prophecies. I see it right here. That should give us great joy and great expectation for him today. That he went to the cross and he died. That gives me great expectation that he is going to do something else. Jesus said, I, I'm, it's better that I leave, that I send you the Holy Spirit. That's a promise. That's an expectation that every one of us should have. We should give thanks to that. Because in that, our faith is stirred. Because I remember back to what God has done. And as we remember back and give thanks, what also happens is I get my attention off of myself. And I get my eyes and my thoughts on the king. You see, giving thanks, it doesn't remove our difficulties, but it reminds me of the one who is bigger and more powerful than any difficulty I will ever face. And so as you do that, as you write out these thanks, as you just pray and meditate upon the, the graciousness of God in your life, then I want you to move on and I want you, and I'm gonna challenge you some of you need challenge today. I want to challenge how you ask or what you ask for from God. I'm going to challenge you to have God-sized prayers this week. Prayers that some of you have put to rest because you felt like God didn't hear them. Those are the kind of prayers I want you to pull back out and say, hey, Zechariah, he was old. He was beyond childbearing years. He had probably forgotten about that and given up and moved along, but God said, no, I heard your prayer your, your wife, your sweet wife, who's not very old, she's going she's gonna to bear a son. And so I want you to pray, pray prayers that have, you have left for dead this week. Prayers that actually require faith. Ask God for revelation. Ask God for reconciliation in your family. Ask him to speak 
your identity over you. Ask him for the gifts of the spirit. Ask him for salvation for a friend. Ask him for revival in our city. Ask him, dare him. He is greater than anything you can think or imagine. And he says, come with your expectations. Come with your expectations because when you do, faith is present. We know that it's impossible to please God with faith. And so when faith is there, God just loves it. And it's like attracting him. Come on, come on, come on. So as we close today with expectation, I just want us to, to think about Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, that today he invites any and everyone to his table today. That he promises to forgive those who come to him. You see, Jesus sets the expectation today. He wants you to come. He wants you to come. He wants you to receive forgiveness and freedom. Do you believe him? Will you trust him today? So as we stand here in a moment just to worship our king one last time, uh, we're gonna have our prayer ministry up here. And I'm gonna actually uh, have you guys go ahead and stand now. And prayer ministry, if you would come forward. Uh, th- three things, just hang with me for one second here. Listen, three things that, that I want us to pray for and invite you to get prayer for. Uh, number one is if you wanna know this Jesus that we're talking about today. If you want to come to the table where he says, I don't care what you've done in your past, I don't care how long you've run from me. I don't care what you've said about me and what you've done. Come to the table. Come to me and I will give you forgiveness. If you want forgiveness today, if you want freedom today, if you want to be invited into the kingdom of God to be a family member of God, a son or daughter, we would say just come forward and just say, I I, I want Jesus today. That's all you got to say. We would love to pray with you. But secondly, uh, the group of people I I want to say to come is if, if you feel like God is distant. To the Israelites, they had 400 years where they were without a word from God. If that's you and you say, man, I resonate with that today, I want to invite you to come forward and get prayer. And we're going to ask for God to reveal himself and to bring a breakthrough and to increase your faith. And then lastly, if you just need some encouragement today, if you recognize that your circumstance in life, that your fear and your doubt have lowered your expectations of God, where now your expectations require no faith at all, we want to pray with you today. We want to ask God to increase your faith that increases your expectation. So don't hesitate when we are singing. Just to come forward. We would love to pray with you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you set the expectation, that you said, I'm going to send a Messiah, and you did just that. And that the expectation you set now is that that Messiah, Jesus, that he's going to come back again. And so, Lord, we come to you and we say yes to that. We believe you. But we also believe before that comes that your kingdom is to be breaking into this world. And so, Lord, I ask today that there will be breakthrough, that there will be just a breaking of sin, that there would be a resurrection of dreams, ambitions, expectations that they would not be hindered by what Satan is throwing at us, by what he's speaking over us with our circumstance, our fear, and our doubt. Lord, silence the liar. Let your truth reign today. In your name, amen.